Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A man is born, he's a man of means, by no means. This week on the Story Song Podcast. everybody, welcome back to the Story Song Podcast. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. Every episode on this show, we walk you through the wonderful world of a story song. And this week, we're going way back again mm-hmm. to the mid-1960s. Um, and we're talking about King of the Road by Roger Miller. Um, a classic, uh, once you hear this song, you never forget it. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. oh, what was that? What's that song? <laughs> but great. Uh, a hobo tale. Here's the thing. This song, the fact that this song is 1965 floors me. If it, 1965 is too late for this song. Too late? It's I will say this. Late. I feel like it's one of those things where like this is supposed to be a throwback. Feels like this was supposed to be like, you know, hey, remember all the way back to the 50s here <laughs> <Right>. in 1965? <laughs> um, but, I'm not, you know. Uh, maybe maybe Michael will tell us more about that later. Yep. Uh, yeah. Now you know and the rest of the story. Yes, Michael? And it does have, um, to your point, it does have one of the things that could make it seem like it's a throwback is that it has that feel of like a, a very sparse instrumentation. Yeah. Um, like a 16 Tons or a Big Bad yeah. John. Mm-hmm. This definitely is of a piece with those songs, unquestionably. Sure. Yeah. There's a there's a working man, we don't have a lot of instruments genre. Um <laughs> probably Real could, specific. Probably could find something a little snappier. Uh not my best naming of a genre ever, possibly, but yeah. um but anyway, uh disco? Michael is disco taken? Yeah, did we mm. disco yet? Yeah. Um, let's call it New Wave. Let's just call it New Wave. Yes. And, and be done with this, it. This, <laughs> this new wave of songs about <laughs> working folks with sparse instrumentation. Michael. Yes, sir. Um, sparsely, with sparse instrumentation, <laughs> tell us the story of this story song. I will give you the most sparse summary of this song that you could possibly ask for. Yeah. King of the Road is a song about a vagabond living his best life. All right, great. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. It is. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. It's about a uh, guy on the road, uh, going from city to city and talking about his experiences. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. 
I love I, it. I, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we learn a little about him. I mean, I it. like from that description, it could be either like a hobo or like a rich college kid on like a European trip. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm taking a semester. Yeah. I'm, I'm finding myself. Anyway, follow my Instagram, hashtag hobo life. <laughs> <laughs> trailers for sale are in rooms to let 50 cents. No phone, no pool, no pets. Ain't got no cigarettes, I but two hours of pushing broom buys and eight, twelve, four bedroom. I'm a man of means, by no means, king of the road. Let's start here at the top. Um, and Michael, I don't mean to throw some stuff at you. I got a couple of questions right, okay. right when we start here. I'm really hoping I have the answers to them. So I just want to say trailer for sale or rent. Okay. Yes. That's the first line. Now the next line, I understood the word rooms and I understood 50 cents. But until this evening, when I pulled up the lyrics, I never knew what they were saying. But it's one of those things where it was like, wait, what? Every time I heard the song, I was like, wait, what did they say? Rooms for what? R- what? I'll probably figure it out uh, next Really? Uh, it'll be fine. <laughs> well, I don't know. So trailer for, rail- for sale or rent. Room mm-hmm. for let, 50 cents. Rooms to let. Rooms to let. What does that mean? Like renting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like a, like a <laughs> lease. Yeah, like leasing. Yeah. Rooms to let. Okay. But yeah. that's, you guys are acting like this is a term people say every day to you. I've never heard yeah. of. Not every day, just when I'm riding the boxcars. Yeah, oh, okay, I also yeah. run a 1940s boarding house. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Daniel, I, I yeah, yeah. have. Yeah, there's a little I forget you often outside my door that says right. rooms to let. But okay. 40 cent rooms to let mm-hmm. 40 cents. Oh, okay. because her neighbors is letting rooms for 50 cents. Yeah. So. Rachel, I forgot you often bite coins to make sure that they're real. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, trailer for sale or rent room to let 50 cents. Okay, so now here's my next question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is this a thing he's saying? Or like, is he is he like trying to drum up business for trailers? Like, what does that that's, mean? Or is he that's saying that's what I like, always thought? That's what you thought. Okay. The way I interpret it is, the song is very kind of like stream of consciousness, and as he's mm-hmm. talking about himself and his experience and stuff, he he's he's sort of letting us, the listener, know about his experiences and know about like. This is what I do. This is my life on the road. Yeah. I think these are just things that he's seeing okay. and signs that he's seeing along the road. Because he's not, he doesn't own a trailer that he's yeah, renting he's not out. Buying, he's not buying anything. No, right. he's and, seeing and, a sign that says trailers for sale or rent. And then he sees another sign rooms to let 50 cents. So I, I, I was never fully sure. So what I'm about to say, I'm 98% sure is wrong. Uh, okay. Stick with me for a second. Go for it. I, I always thought, not I always thought, but I saw an arbitration that he was like being like trailers for sale or rent, like was trying to like I don't know some kind of like yes weird like salesman talking them yeah. Carousel but here's Barker. The, but here's the thing, he doesn't have a steady job, right? So that right. doesn't he does not do it. So anything. I think I think he's on the road, and he's seeing these signs and sort of determining where he right. wants to stay for the evening because he still has to 
sleep mm. somewhere. And I don't mean to sound classist about it, but I think seeing something like trailer for sale or rent rooms to let 50 cents, only a certain select people are seeing these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Like if you have the money, you're not renting a room for 50 cents, right? You're, you, right. You, you know I, I don't mean? know. In those days, you could get a hotel room for 50 cents. That's <laughs> insane. I'm saying, I'm saying the circles that he's running in, he is. Th- this is the kind of stuff that he sees that maybe other people, he, he sort of lives in this invisible world of hobos and like renting a single room for 50 cents right. for one night. Um, as opposed to, you know, whatever, like other people are not, maybe, maybe they're aware, but they're not constantly seeing this sort of thing. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. I think that makes sense. He's not staying in a resort. No. Well, he's definitely not staying in a resort because of the next line, but you know, what's funny about this. You know, what's funny. He, he's has rooms to let 50 cent sense. And the funny thing is I once I once rented a room from 50 cents. Oh, okay. okay. It was great. It was in the club, but it was a room. It was like a party room. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was a great host. Great host. He said, I, he said, I'll get that security deposit or die trying. And you're like, you can, <laughs> I mean, you can have it. 50. I don't you, know. That's <laughs> fine. I don't want to get into it like that. You don't, that's you don't fine. Have to be quite so dramatic about it, to be honest Jeez with you. Louise. I'll give it to you. It's a christening, for God's sake. I mean, it's okay. I mean, it's like, just it's an a party. Airbnb. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just up in Maine for the weekend. Let's not make a big, a big deal about it. So I think what he's saying about the rooms to let 50 cents and like this just being like him sort of determining where he will be staying for the night, I think that gets further explained in the next verse. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, so trailer for sale or rent, room to let 50 cents. No, fo- no phone, no pool, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes. Uh, uh, but Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, so I was, I was he's staying say- in a no frills. Very no frills. I mean, I don't even he's know. He's renting like, a room. I don't even know if you this could call this. This is my boarding room. This like is my boarding hotel, house. right? <laughs> this is no, like, okay. It's, a, it's like a, it's like a, it's what a I house. think of it as like a Y or like in, um, right. Right. in, uh, is it? It's a Wonderful Life, where the oh, where his yes. mother is like yeah, renting yes. has like a boarding house. It's a boarding house. Wait, the building and loan? No, no the, his the mother, mother has, the mother has, has a, boarding a boarding house. house. Oh, there's people. And she in says, house. "Don't you okay. remember me, mother?" And he goes, "No." She goes, "No." Yeah, no. she goes, "I got no room and she's here." Got when people, he, there's no when room. He's, <laughs> when he's no longer been born, she's all of a sudden all. Yeah. And so I mean, gotcha. I guess her only son died, but so. I, I do. I wonder if um. The way I read this this verse is he's he's pointing out things that he sees and he's trying to figure out where he's going to stay. And then the last line, he's just like, oh, my God, I got no cigarettes. Right. I can't believe it. I, how could I be a hobo without cigarettes? <laughs> well, and yeah, I think. I think yeah, go ahead. I, I think the the ain't got no cigarettes. Line, that's the line that always confused me because doesn't matter but i think there's further ex- again further explanation later on in the song I, and i right. think i think back then i even like you said this is a, i think this is a bit of a throwback so i don't think this is a 1965 hobo right. um i think this is you know depression era hobo maybe and back then it felt like cigarettes like were like they were like fancy cigarettes as opposed yeah. to what he's smoking later which we'll find out well, I was yeah. going to say, I think back then cigarettes were just a common thing, right? So the idea that you didn't have cigarettes. Oh, that's true. Like if you were smoking, I, you know, I don't know what the equivalent today would be, but like just Hand something sanitizer. that like. Sure. But you would just. Like, 
you would just expect that like a person would have you know what i mean yeah. so for him to be like i've i ain't got no cigarettes like i don't i'm living in a 50 cent room and i have no cigarettes i think that's just showing like this guy's got nothing i mean even a hobo like michael said even a hobo could buy cigarettes i mean my god like that, speaking of things that were cheap back then <laughs> like cigarettes <laughs> would cost almost nothing um so yeah so i think that all that all feeds into it and then the next line is ah but two hours of push and broom buys an eight by 12 four bit room so this room mm-hmm. is less fancy than the original nintendo which as we all know is eight bit <laughs> <That's true. laughs> wow this is like an atari room this is atari you guys i'm just being silly four bits <laughs> right relates to currency not uh, graphics is that right. 50 cents that is 50 cents four right? bits is 50 cents yeah, yeah. two yeah, bits yeah, is yeah. a quarter yeah uh so here's yeah, the thing. and also get you shaving a haircut. Uh, you made you got that for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but isn't that crazy? Shaving a haircut, two bits, four bits, you can get a room. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, six Square bits, you can get a room and a shave and a haircut. That's amazing. Um, here is the he's a hobo and his room is eight by twelve. I have a full time job and my bedroom is like eight by 12 <laughs> like less okay. than eight by 12 i mean to be fair you also have other rooms but yes right, i know but, what you're saying but eight by 12 is like 20 times bigger than most new york city apartments oh my so gosh. he's doing fine yeah come on stop complaining about and he only pushed two he only worked for two hours right and he got that <laughs> four true. bits for pushing from pushing that broom that's true I god mean, speed but rachel also i mean your i your apartment you just have stacks of cigarette cartons everywhere. So you're also well, sure. totally fine. I ain't, um, got, I ain't got nothing but cigarettes is right. my yeah. line. <laughs> but this, I think this goes to the idea that he's just picking up jobs here and there. Well, what he's, I was he's about, working what for I was two about to hours was, to get the room. The nice thing here, it's not stated, but the nice thing here is this two hours of pushing room buys you a 8 by 12 four-bit room, the 50-cent room. So he doesn't even have the 50 cents. To yeah. rent the room, like yeah. he needs to, yeah. he needs to push a broom just to get the fifty cents to get the room. The the super cheap, almost nothing right. room. He still doesn't even have that amount of money to get that room. He has to get a job to then get the room. Right, and it's not clear if he's getting a job in the, for lack of a better word, hotel, or if he just like I found think it's in the an odd job house. somewhere. I mean, yeah. I don't know, but I think Mom it's Bailey's boarding house. house. It's Mom yeah, Bailey's boarding like, house. She's like, if yeah. you sweep, you can have a room. Yeah. You sweep this 8 by 12 room for two hours, <laughs> you can sleep here tonight. It's yeah. Like, well, that, that seems like a long time to sweep an 8 by 12 room. Two hours. I said two hours. My son died, and I had one that was never born. I don't know how I know that, but just trust me. <laughs> So you push that bro. Um, <laughs> this place would be a lot nicer if uh, Jimmy Stewart was here. <laughs> but he's not. He was never born. Now he's pushing that bro. <laughs> um, now, so I know he's literally sweeping. Mm-hmm. Huh. But doesn't pushing broom just sound like an old time euphemism for work? Yeah, it like, does. I, I can't, can't, can't go out tonight. Got to push broom tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I mean. Work. Going to yeah. be pushing oh, yeah. broom all morning. <laughs> <laughs> You're an accountant. You know, it's all pushing broom. 
<laughs> I mean, I think in some ways it is because he doesn't say pushing a broom. I mean, I know it's just one word, but it is sort of that feeling of like, yeah, that's why I, I push broom, you know? Yeah. Like it, or cause maybe, cause maybe you're right. Maybe it is like, all right, sweep and then stock the, you know, the kitchen and then, you know, maybe straighten up this over here. Like yeah. it's, it's all, it doesn't matter to him. It's all one thing. It's so. all pushing yeah. broom, was, baby. Was pushing it's broom. all pushing broom. Yeah, yeah. The full title of this song is King of the Road, open parentheses, push that broom, close parentheses. <laughs> open parentheses, get rich or die trying, close parentheses. Um, <laughs> push that broom in the club is the the dance mix the of King of the Road. <laughs> That's 50 King. Cent. He could do anything. King of the Road. Okay. You can find me on the road or in a four-bit room. So, two has a pushing broom, buys a 8x12 four-bit room. I'm a man which, of means. Which, as we said, the 4-bit the room is the 50-cent room that he yes. saw the sign yeah. for. Yes. Definitely. So, full circle right there in, I'm a, <laughs> in 10 seconds or less. I'm a man of means by no means. King in the road. Great line. One of the greatest lines ever written. <laughs> so, So, is it? Uh, is it? I'm a man of no. I'm a man of I'm no. I'm a man means. of means. I'm a man. I'm a of man means. of means by no means, means. I have money. Right. So he's saying I'm a man of means by no means. Yeah. In in no way or shape or form do I have means. I have so no money whatsoever. So it's not I'm a man of means by no means king of the road. No. Meaning I'm, I'm not right. king of the road. He thinks he's king of the road. It's yeah. Not even he's that he saying thinks he's king of the road. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. He's saying by no means does he is he a man of means, right? But he still feels like king of the road. But Rachel, uh, to your point, I think you can also read it that even though he's a man of no means, he is a man of means, mm-hmm. and by no means king of the road. But he still feels like king of the road. So right. the way it's crafted, and in the second part, we'll talk about Roger Miller's song craft. Oh, he does. Um, the the way the line is written, you could read it a couple of different sure. ways, but I think it still gets the same point across. Yeah. But yeah, I think, well, because I think also, because he's saying I'm mad at means by no means, king of the road. I think in some ways, there's, I think there's two interpretations of king of the road. First of all, we're going to find out that not only is he a hobo, he's one of the best that's ever done it. Um, <laughs> he's like, late, like, later he'll be retired and they'll like need a hobo and they'll be like, you got to come back for one hobo job. You're the best hobo <laughs> there ever was. Um, but then secondly, uh, I think it's ironic, where he, uh, an ironic thing where he's like, I'm king of the road because I am the lowest of the lowest hobos. I don't even have 50 cents, you guys. Like, I, yeah. I am like the winner of hobos. Right. Because I am, <laughs> I am the, the hobo with the least amount of money and means to do anything at all. So I, I am the hoboiest hobo that ever hoboed. Right. And he's king of the road because he never stays in one place for more than one night. Right. I think. He's always on the move. Yeah. Always, always, always. He's always one step ahead of whatever Johnny Law is trying to track him down. Or whatever. <laughs> oh, Johnny Law. I think he's also, um, in his mind, I think there's, there's a definite freedom to constantly being on the road. So I yeah. think in that he is, he feels like king of the road. Yeah, yeah. By the way, this this uh, 
this boarding house that he's staying at. Mm-hmm. The the no frills eight by twelve room. Yeah. You know what they got? What? No phone, no lights, no motor car, not a single luxury. Oh yeah. <laughs> but I w- I will say like the 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 craft of Roger Miller is that repetition of means and a man of means by no means like same word different meaning repeated right, right after each other. He's very big on the wordplay and he does it in a very skilled way. Mm-hmm. And it's also that thing where like. A man that's one of those weird phrases, a man of means, that you only ever say like you you know, you only say, ever say it that way. Meaning like, oh, he's a man of means. But yeah. it's so it's like a weird thing where it's like you would only ever say that about a rich person, if that makes yeah. sense. Right. You know what I mean? Like not you you wouldn't call a middle class person a man of means. You would only ever call like a super rich person a man of means. So but him being right. like, I'm a man of means by no means. <laughs> Like right. I am whatever the super rich daddy Warbucks is, I am the exact inverted <laughs> version yeah. of that. I literally have nothing to my name. Um, and it's so, also like a yeah. weirdly fancy phrase. Right. You know, it's yeah. not like saying, oh, he's rich. He, no, he's a man of means. It's almost right. like the way <laughs> fancy rich people would talk about each other. Yes. Right. And yeah, yeah, here yeah. he is a boxcar hobo talking about himself that way so there there is this this kind of juxtaposition of like like him being a boxcar hobo and be and having like this elevated way of talking and and viewing himself third boxcar midnight train destination banger main whoa worn out suit and shoes i don't pay no Main lovely, lovely. Yeah, I think it's that's just where the train's going. Uh, to be yeah, sure. Yeah, Banger Main is not his destination, but it's not his destination. He's not like, oh, I've got to get this train to Banger Main. Right. He's going wherever the train takes him. But he also knows, like, he's saying third boxcar. He knows the third boxcar is the best one. So third boxcar, midnight. Like, no, but seriously, like, but he's like, he's an expert on the thing that he does, like. For better or worse, he like he's so, been doing this for so long. He knows the best boxcar on the midnight train. But that that's what I'm and saying. And he knows like, that the midnight train is going to be going by there. It's right. weird because you would think it would go to Georgia. I beat you to it. I beat you to it. I got you. <laughs> I got you. there first. How dare you? I will. <laughs> you never baby, I'm shaving a haircut. I got the midnight train to Georgia first. I'll never forgive you for that. <laughs> um, but. So he knows third box car, midnight train. So he knows that train's going to Bangor, Maine. Like, yeah. I think he knows that that's the one to go to. Yeah, you I mean, maybe. See, it's going up the coast, probably. You get to see the, col- the leaves the change. It's right. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think what he did was he got on the road and he went north to Providence, met the mayor, said, <laughs> fine city, you've got your mayor. Then he went to Waterbury and then Boston, fine city, uh-huh. uh, and a couple other towns in Mass, and on to Portland and Bangor and straight home. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Sure. He did. Yeah. Willie Loman. I hope he's. <laughs> Man, I hope nothing bad happens to him in the last <laughs> scene. <laughs> Seems like a nice He'll be guy. fine. <laughs> sure, there's not some deep psychological trauma that he needs yeah. to deal with. Oh my um, gosh. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> Hope he doesn't ruin his children's lives <laughs> with false uh, with false yeah. promises. Um, uh, yeah. Hope it's not like a metaphor for the American psyche or anything like that. Yeah. Um, third bus car, <laughs> midnight train, destination Bangor, Maine. Old worn out suit and shoes. Now, Michael, I think this is what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't pay no union dues. Yeah. Mm, so I scab. think He's what you're scab. saying, there's a, there's a freedom, right? Yes. He's like, I do whatever I want. I ain't got nothing, but also I don't pay no union dues. Nobody's yeah. telling me where to be, yep. what to do, what to wear. You know, if I want to push a broom, I push a broom. If I don't want to, I don't do it. Right? Yeah. Yep. So. There is such a freedom in that. Man, oh, man. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like... I don't pay union dues either, but. Um, <laughs> That's also true. I also do not general. pay union dues. Uh, and then it's great. Got a, got a lot of final notices. <laughs> coming in the mail but still don't pay those union dues yeah it's like if you've ever had a stressful day and you're like you just want to just walk away from it all Mm -hmm. and just like get on a get on the third boxcar of a midnight train that's what he's doing right yeah michael i'm gonna throw this out real quick sure stick with me here crazy idea what if you and i unionize against rachel and then we go on strike i'm just throwing that out there Mm. i mean rachel can you just just Mm -hmm. come here as a moment yeah let me do that okay all right. I'll so tell you. Here's, here's the I'll other thing. You can do is two thousand dollars a month. And I, <laughs> I need that. I need that. I need that up front. The first of all, so you could get that to me. I'm gonna need the first twenty four months uh, tomorrow. So. You know what? You know what I like about this entire setup is mm. that just makes me realize that you both think that I'm the boss. Wait! Oh no! <laughs> Wait, you're not. Wait, did we just promote Rachel to management? <laughs> yes, I think you did. I think you did. Gotta All have right. these conversations off mic. All right, we'll talk about the 15-minute coffee breaks you guys get in the <laughs> of our episodes. And um, do me a We're favor, like... let's keep the break room clean. <laughs> uh, we got to talk about how you guys have been showing up late to recordings. <laughs> We're gonna be, I'm going to be docking your pay. I'll tell you what, I'll, I'm going to really, I'm gonna really uh, bear down about staying on task. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't think that's do going to that. happen. All right, so we're going on strike. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I smoke old stogies I have found. Short, but not too big around. Okay, here's my, mm-hmm. here's my next question. When he says short, but not too big around, he's talking about the stogies or he's talking about himself? I, he's talking about the stogies. Yeah, I think he's yeah. talking about the stogies, but I was wondering that too. <laughs> I was like, wow, what a weird self-deprecating thing to just throw I don't in the middle of but here. why is it why is he saying not too big around just because they've already been smoked so there's yes. not a, okay yeah okay. i think and i think it goes back to the line ain't got no cigarettes he's he's smoking, smoking old cigars. used Whatever cigars yeah and, and and he's smoking uh, the bits that like most people are like oh this is done and throws it away and he's yeah. like there's still a tiny little bit in here that i can get yeah, and, and, I mean, yeah. option two would be not smoking at all, and this is 1965, so that is not an option. No, right. no you well, have to smoke course. something. Yeah. You got to smoke no. something. Um, <laughs> Jeez. God, is I that... know we've spoken about it before, but man, the, the past must have reeked yeah. just <laughs> so much. Just but, so much. But, that's, but everyone smoked, so no one could smell anything. Yeah. So nobody had any idea how bad it smelled. It just crazy. was stunk to high heaven all the time, and nobody was aware. Of it. Oh, I mean, I, I'm. St- I'd imagine everybody just assumed everything smelled like an ashtray. Like, take some time to smell the roses; they smell like cigarette butts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
I mean, I, I, I have like faint understanding of like the 80s smelling sort of like that, but yeah. not to what I would imagine the degree of like the 40s to the 60s smelled well, like. But it's also like even in the 80s and into the 90s when cigarettes mm-hmm. were still like smoking indoors was still a thing. Right. right? You, you just you were so used to it. That it didn't even register. It's only now if I sure. go if I go into a place where someone has smoked a cigarette indoors, it is such a like whoa, like oh my <laughs> god, this is insane. But you did it all the time, so it didn't yeah. seem weird. You just didn't even think about go it. Go to bars, they'd be filled with smoke. Now oh the the other day, uh, my <laughs> my neighbor and I were out in the hallway, and she goes, "Is somebody smoking out here?" And oh. apparently, like one person was smoking in their apartment, whereas. Years ago, it just you would not even smell that, right? Because the entire thing would just be you smell all those cigarettes and stogies. Yeah, of course I do, because everybody's smoking. Oh, and everything must have been like just clouds of smoke. Every like, like there was no (laughs) every every lamp was diffused by smoke. Yeah, like I mean, there was just a cloud of smoke everywhere. That's why the that's why film noir existed. I think just because everything was just smoky and. Diffused. Yeah, they they, they shot this movies in color. It just the, the smoke <laughs> just made it seem like it was black and white. Here's the crazy thing: there in old movies, there was not one dissolve. It was just smoke <laughs> taking over the camera till they were like, no. "All right, just go to the next scene because Forget it. I Whatever. can't with all this smoke." All right, anyway. fine. I fine. Jimmy Stewart's back. He's he's born again. Let's just move it. Let's get into the move. movie. We ran. Um. So, okay, I smoke old stogies I have found. I mean, it's quite obvious. I just got to say it. Gross. Gross. I mean, I'm sorry. You're, I mean, you're literally putting something in your mouth that someone else had in their mouth. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. Like, you know, that is not that is not COVID protocol. I'm and just, just going to say that. I'm going to throw that out there. I haven't checked with Dr. Fauci lately, but I'm pretty sure he'd say no to that one. He's doing that at a yeah. safe distance of six feet oh, okay. from so other hobos. Fine. Oh, so good, 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 good. Good, that's fine. And, that's fine. and I'm sure he's rinsing them with hand sanitizer first, so... <laughs> and, and you know so what's... A little bit of tobacco and a little bit of alcohol all yeah. at once. Oh, yeah, you know what? You know what? Now, now I'm going the other side. That doesn't sound Now so he's bad. just efficient. But that sounds like what? a Saturday night. <laughs> of all things, this is what makes it even grosser, is have you ever seen somebody start smoking a, a cigar? Yeah. They... It's like they're dogs. They lap it up oh, first God, with their so tongue. Wet. Like, oh, it's gross. A cigarette would be so much better. People don't it sit there so and like slobber all over their cigarettes no, before the they end smoke of cigars them. are always soaking wet. Yeah, stogies are just like it's disgusting. Ugh, it's gross. <laughs> That's one of nine reasons why cigars are disgusting. <laughs> I mean, live your life, but ugh. Yeah. C- cigarettes <laughs> cigarettes are disgusting and someone's like you know what i need something that's like six times bigger than the, than <laughs> yeah. the grossest thing ever yeah but um, this is not too big around that's good well no not anymore when it yeah, started when true. the cigar started it was um on top of that he's also picking them up off the ground <sighs> yeah um and probably on the ground of like the train station or right. like yeah. the box car itself that probably had like horses in it 20 minutes before. Ugh. So there's nothing. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to just trade honest with you guys. I mean, hygiene concerns are the only reason I'm not a hobo. I mean, yeah. otherwise I would totally, I just oh, thought sure. lifestyle sounds great, but I just, I can't. Yeah. I can with the, 
you know. Worn out suit and shoes sounds so comfortable. Oh my gosh, so nice. You know what? It's a worn out suit, but he was still wearing a suit. Yeah, well, you have to. That's true. You'd, yeah. you'd be arrested it's also, on It's 1965. <laughs> yeah, it's 1965. Yeah, yeah. They this thought of been... being like a worn out shirt and shoes. They'd be like, shirt? No, what? that's crazy. People don't just wear shirts. It's a suit. That, ma- that makes yeah. more sense. That makes yeah. more sense. You're not wearing not a suit. Yeah. You might not have 50 cents to, to, you might have four bits to rub together, but you have a suit, okay? Yeah. You have a suit. I mean, Michael, this, this guy spent a week in jail for not taking his hat off in the presence of a woman. I mean, this is, <laughs> we got to talk. We got to think about what time we're talking about here. How many episodes of Isle of Lucy are there where they have to like go get dressed up to go to the movies or go on the subway? Right. Exactly. Oh yeah, <laughs> on the subway. I yeah. mean, I, I'm going on the subway. Obviously, I have to wear a black tie. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's oh, yeah. an episode of Isle of Lucy. <laughs> sure. It's it's the Lucy and the Loving Cup episode uh-huh. where Lucy gets a loving cup stuck on her head and. Ethel has to bring her downtown to a, a silversmith to get it off her head. And um, she says, okay, let me just run home and get changed. Right. And she says, why can't you go like that? She said, Lucy, I have never worn blue jeans on the subway and I'm not going to start now. Yeah. And the audience, and the audience was like, yeah, no, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's, Did you- why would you do that? They- Lucy's response was, if I can go on the subway like this you can go on like that but uh-huh. also right. it's like did you change out of your pajamas you know like right <laughs> yeah yeah that's true to go on the subway or to go to the movies did you so there is a family um i don't know if it's it's a family story that my grandfather was i don't know if he was arrested or ticketed because he was wearing just his um undershirt at i mean and pants but like his yeah. undershirt at either a park <laughs> Or a part of grandfather Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, my grandfather winning Winnie the Pooh. No, my Italian grandfather, which is like the unit, he was basically wearing the uniform for Italian American grandfathers. He was wearing yeah. a, 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 a he was wearing a t shirt or a, an undershirt and black pants, and he got like arrested is- or ticketed because they're yeah. like, you're not wearing a full suit. What do you think you are? Not a hobo? <laughs> and you should be like, this is part of my cultural her- heritage. You can't, you can't do this. They're like, at least wear a worn out suit. He's like, oh, I'll wear a worn out suit. So every engineer on every train, I get. Okay, who are the children he's talking about? I think he's are there talking children on these box cars. No, I think he's talking about the engineers' children. Okay, so he's meaning like, that he has he's friendly how's, with how's the little engineers. Billy doing? Yeah, yes. to the engineers. So they let him go and do his right. thing, you know. Right. Yeah, I think it could be that. I think it could also be that he just knows like the people in town like he's the friendly hobo yeah i guess so but i i think that does make sense though where where he's like he's getting by on charm yes so, like the engineers are not throwing him off the train because right. they like him he's a nice guy he you know he remembers their kids names he yeah. asks about how little billy is doing in little league or whatever like so they're like ah he's all right he can hang around yeah so they don't yeah. they don't call the the train police or whatever they're called on this guy. They just let him stay. 
They can't throw um, a cigarette. They can't throw him a cigarette. They have to still let him pick well, up I mean, stogies they off do. the ground. Maybe they, I mean, possibly they do. Um, but so this is what I was saying. We're like, he's a great hobo because he, yeah. he's ingratiating himself wherever he goes to just get by on charm. Right. Um, yeah. So, and that's how, that's basically how he's surviving. Yeah. Uh, Cause then he says, and he's telling you all of his tricks too. This is, this is right. This is the hobo brag. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm, um, listen, I'm a man, I'm man of means by no means, but do I right. know every engineer? Yeah. Do, you got to know their kids' names. You got to make sure. I mean, you know again, like if this, yeah, yeah. If this were modern day, he'd be writing, he'd write like uh, something for BuzzFeed that was like nine life hacks for hobos. <laughs> for hobos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He like, he's, he's got all the tricks. He knows what he's yeah. doing. Um, Don't care I, where you're going? Get on any train. Uh, I know every engineer on every train, all the children, all their names, and every handout in every town. Mm. Right. So that's yeah, that's he knows how to get by no matter where that's, he is. So yep. he's gone this this train route a bunch of times. It's I'm picturing Lady in the Tramp. Um, sure. He knows he knows what restaurant to go in the back alley of and get a free spaghetti dinner. Uh-huh. So hobos would um. They would like leave a place and like on the fence they would draw a crying face, a little stick figure face with like a little tear coming yeah. down. And what that meant to other hobos was just tell them a sad story and they'll give you a meal. Like mm. they had a bunch of codes of like yeah. you can get work here, you can do this, but if you just like tell a sad story and the nice lady in this house will like give you a meal. Um so that's what this is, where he's like, I know every sucker <laughs> that I can get a free <laughs> handout from. Or you'd be like, or oh, I know, you know, I know to go to the church or whatever. Yeah. And they'll give me food. But he knows everything. But it's not all it's not all, you know, magnanimous because the next line is and every this lock is, mm-hmm. This is the line where it gets like a little bit dark. <laughs> well and I don't I, know if it's supposed to, but it does. Well and every handout in every town and every lock that ain't locked when no one's around. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> He goes from being like the friendly hobo who just shows up in your town to like he's probably going to rob you when <laughs> when well, you're not. But I don't think he's like, robbing. He, I don't think he's he robbing. Is he robbing or is he just like taking little bits? No, I don't right? think he's taking anything. I think I think it's he's finding places to stay for the night. Okay. That's what I think. Now that being said, that, could be too. that being squatting. said, he's squatting. That being said, if you read this entire verse as if it is a horror movie or like a suspense movie, it can be terrifying. (laughs) I know every engineer on every train, all of the children, all their names, every handout in every town, and every lock that ain't locked when no one's around. Dun, dun. (laughs) The hobo. King of the road. Right. Yeah. Or again, imagine like a young Alec Baldwin saying that like very intensely. Yeah. Like, and he's- (laughs) And he's married to Julie Roberts or whatever. And he's like, you can't get away from me. I know every engineer in every town. Yeah. I know all their children's names. <laughs> King you of the ask, Road, yeah. now playing. You ask me if, you <laughs> ask me if I'm, I'm playing King of the Road, I am King of the Road. <laughs> I am King of the Road. <laughs> References but again, to movies, no one remembers. Go ahead, Michael. The, um, this is also like, the the brilliance of uh roger miller's 
craftsmanship uh, mm. in, in songwriting, the repetition of the word lock first as a noun, then right. as a verb is awesome. Yeah. It's just, it sounds so good. Right. Um, and it, it enhances the story so much. Yeah. But like I was saying, and then like he knows, he knows everything there is to know. Right. Like he was saying, like every lock that ain't locked when no one's around. So he knows he, not only does he know where to go, but he mm-hmm. knows to when to go there that no one's going to be there. Yep. Yeah. Right. Like he has done this so many times that he knows every, everything to do to survive up and down this train line for as long as he needs to do it. Yeah. So the only thing is that the next second half of the song basically repeats itself. <laughs> I think the one thing that is important to point out here Mm-hmm. Is that I think what we were talking about? This isn't just necessarily repetition. This is showing he's just doing the same thing over and over again. He's yeah. just yeah, from surviving. Town to town. Yeah, one day he goes he goes to the next boarding house, pushes the broom for two hours, gets mm-hmm. his room, leaves, hops the train, goes to the next town, does the same. Like it's just this is his life. Is just like basically staying one step ahead you know, forever or just barely getting to the next day, essentially, even though, yeah. he, you know, it seems like he loves it. I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know if maybe given the choice, he would pick something else. But well, for, it's also I think he does. He, the song's not called, you know, guy on the road or right, it's right. terrible on the road. He's king of the road. Like, right. I think yeah. it's a very specific. He, word I think he, I yeah. think even even if maybe he's not doesn't love his life totally. I think there is a pride in like I've got this figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Like He's got, even though I have nothing, to I'm gonna be okay. I'm the king of the road. Honestly, I think even the the fact that that the second sort of the repetition of that starts with I sing, mm-hmm. trailers for sale mm-hmm. or rent, mm-hmm. as if mm-hmm. that's his mm-hmm. mantra. Right. And mm-hmm. also he's singing. He's like you know it's not like he's like I trudge along, and right. wail. <laughs> Yeah. trailers for sale <laughs> I rent. cry yeah. trailers for sale rent. <laughs> yeah he's singing right you can and always I think, see him like whistling to himself while he's right. walking down the road like, yeah yeah and I think one of the other things that's brilliant about the song and brilliant about the production is that the song does fade out as he's singing but it doesn't fade out on the main chorus it doesn't fade out on trailers for sale or rent yeah it fades out when he's saying two hours of pushing broom yeah. buys an eight by 12 four bit room yeah. that's the last thing you hear in the song and that just sort of indicates that going forward he's going to continue to sing the right. the main chorus yeah. the verse like you were saying it just continues town yeah. to town everything is the same to him well it's also yeah. as if the train is like pulling away from you so with him mm-hmm. singing on it do you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, it's not yeah. just like it you're ends. you're in the last town that he was in. Yeah, and he's he's going away on the train as it goes. And you hear him singing in the in the background. Yeah, and he's like, "Come visit me in Bangor, Maine." So far and cold this time of year. <laughs> Maybe the summer. Okay. Um. All right. Anything else on the song? It's a great song. Go once, going twice. All right. Then let's talk about expanded universe. What do we got? Well, I mean, this has to be. I mean, this guy is waving at Folsom Prison. Oh yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. he's on he the train. Is, oh, of course he's he on is. the train. Roger that goes Miller is right giving, by Johnny Cash. He's, he's like giving two fingers to Johnny Cash. <laughs> you know, 
Look at me. I'm, I'm free, baby. I'm king of the road. What are you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. You know who we saw at the train station waiting for a train? Who? Mm-hmm. Janice and Bobby McGee. Well, I was going to oh, say, yeah. yeah. I mean, this, this almost, there's a couple of things. I mean, first of all, this guy's definitely been busted flat in Baton Rouge at some point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? And the whole, like, I don't pay no union dues is just another way of saying freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. This guy has nothing yeah. to lose. Oh, and that's so he true. Is totally. <laughs> freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. Yeah. I don't pay no union dues. Exactly. <laughs> it all goes together. Wow. This is <laughs> this a real dark side of the moon Wizard of Oz situation happening. <laughs> um. You know that he and Mr. Bojangles have the same tailor. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. He's definitely, he's definitely crossed paths with Mr. Bojangles. They're sharing before. outfits, yeah. those guys. Yeah. Well, they, they say in, in Mr. Bojangles, what, uh, uh, how do they describe what he's wearing? Baggy, um, but, baggy pants. Baggy pants. And, right. and worn out shoes. I think worn out shoes. Okay. Everybody's got worn out shoes. This tailor specializes in worn out <laughs> shoes. I think we just I think we're just learning shoes were just bad in the sixties, you guys. Yeah. They had not figured out shoe <laughs> technology. Everybody's shoes you know were what falling it was? apart. Everybody was stomping out cigars and cigarettes and, and it would go straight through the, That's the soles of the shoes. That's right. Yeah. All their shoes would be on fire. <laughs> they wore out real quick. Um I think that eventually he does get a seat on the train. He doesn't have to sit in the boxcar. Mm-hmm. And uh one night he sits next to Kenny Rogers. <laughs> oh no! Oh, careful! And yeah. Kenny Rogers is like, "Oh, you're a gambler." He's like, "Yeah, let's, let's say I'm a gambler." <laughs> yeah, let's say that. <laughs> so uh, the king of the road twenty times. So yeah, keep calling me the gambler. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "You got any? Uh, you got any advice for me?" Yeah, you know that uh, that storage shed in Banger. They don't keep it locked at night, so you can go in there. Okay. It's not really the kind of life advice I was looking for, sir, but maybe I'm going to go, you know what? Maybe I'm going to sit next to that guy playing with cards. I'll be right back. I'm going to go ask him real quick. Kenny's sitting there with a notebook like, okay, storage shed in Banger, Maine. Uh, when I tell this story, it's going to be no one to hold them, no one to fold them. Okay? Yeah, we're going to make a couple uh, of changes. Live your quick. life. I'm not a union guy. So I care. He's like, I'm sorry, are you asleep? What are you? He's like, yeah, free country. This guy fell asleep. He's not moving. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure, again, like we said, I'm sure this guy has crossed paths with the guy from 16 Tons, with Big Bad oh, John, yeah. Um, yeah. all these guys. I bet you he and Tennessee Ernie Ford are just trying to one-up each other all the time. You load 16 Tons, what do you get? Well, I'm pushing broom. So, right. so. <laughs> what do you got? Well, try pushing broom in a mine. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I don't Maine? even have cigarettes. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll be pushing broom in Maine. No, in a mine. <laughs> mine? Maine? Maine? Sounds, mine? We're saying the same thing. I think we're thing. saying the same thing. We got it. We got it. I'm sure one of the, the rooms to let 50 cents probably in Shantytown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This guy is a, is a, is a local in Shantytown. Oh, you think right. Patches runs a boarding house? Say, oh, I was just saying. Oh. Uh, what's your daughter say again? Patches? No, that can't be right. No one's name is Patches. Yeah. No, there, no, no two people are named Patches. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I mean, one I can see. One person named Patches, sure. But two? I don't know. What if the two different Patches were uh, two different stops? Like if he was in one town and he meets one Patches and then he goes to the other town and he meets the other Patches. 
and he's like, people got to stop naming their kids Patches. Yeah. <laughs> or he was like, I got someone you got to meet. Yeah. Um, we've got <laughs> to get not, these two together. Yeah, you would not believe this. I just <laughs> left a Patches. Yeah, the only other connection to the story song universe that I could think of is that this guy's favorite song is Let the Music Play. So I feel like that's a connection. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it seems like something he'd be rocking out to on that train. <laughs> the acoustics in this in this car, <laughs> boxcar, amazing. Yeah, uh, it's like, I'm on a boxcar for 22 hours. I might as well have a dance party. Uh, okay, let's leave it there. When we come back, we'll talk about the history of this song with "Story Behind the Story." I'm playing this jazzy salsa rhythm to talk to you about algorithms. The best way to help people find the show is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. All those five-star reviews cause Apple's algorithm to do something I don't understand for reasons no one understands. But the result is more people listening to and enjoying the Story Song Podcast. And if you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it on the show. Now... Enough talk. Let's dance. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. All right, we're back. It's time for story behind the story. How did this story come to be? Michael. Yes, sir. Tell us all about King of the Road. Mm -hmm. Sure. Take us down the road of King of the Road. (laughs) King of the backstory. (laughs) Please tell us. (laughs) That is what they call me. So King of the Road was written by Roger Miller. Roger Dean Miller was born on January 2nd, 1936 in Fort Worth, Texas, which is close to Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> Must have been Christmas, tough. Texas. <laughs> yep, Christmas, Texas. Um, and at the age of three, he moved to Erick, Oklahoma. Hmm. As a child in Oklahoma, he worked on his family's farm 
picking cotton. His cousin was married to singer-songwriter Sheb Woolley. Oh! <laughs> what? One-eyed people eater. Did you... Did you know that? Yeah, of course, Sheb Woolley. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. one-eyed, one-eyed fucking for the people leader. Yeah, I know Sheb Woolley. I mean, I know him. I know that one song. <laughs> I know Sheb. Uncle Sheb. Yeah. <laughs> no, but just from saying Sheb Woolley, did you know who he was? Yes, of course. I, Dan, no. You can't be like, yeah, of course I know Sheb Woolley. That's like I when mean, Michael, I know, that's like I when know Michael the name says, of the guy. that's what Michael says, some random person from the 1940s. <laughs> but I'm just and saying, you're like, I know he's the like, guy yeah, sings, of course. I know the guy who sings Purple People Eater, his name is Sheb Woolley. That is all I know about him. It's not like, <laughs> I'm not no. going to start rattling off like stats. Like, yes, obviously he was born in like <laughs> so-and-so Oklahoma. Oh, like, I don't, I'm just saying. Because I also, I, for many, many years, I thought that the guy who sang Purple People Eater died on the airplane with Buddy Holly and <laughs> Richie Valens. Why? <laughs> because, because the, the Big Bopper, that like, that song is, to me, was always very similar. Oh. The, like, the chantilly lace and a burly face. <laughs> that, the one-eyed purple people eater. I thought that was like the same song. And then I found out they were two separate people. So that might be why it's, That's amazing. That might be why it's, why it's lodged in my brain. Got it. Because I always am- <laughs> I always imagine that guy as the play went down being like, it was a one night. Oh, no. (laughs) Buddy Holly's like, stop singing the song. Uh, Forget it. I'm taking her down. Anyway, continue, Michael. So I thought I was going to shock and surprise you guys by saying (laughs) Sheb Woolley, who's best known for his 1958 hit single, The Purple People Eater. But what? What? I didn't know Dan was president of his fan club. No, it's right. um, he's a he's a big shebber. Yeah. Now I'm shocked and surprised. I mean, we call uh, we call ourselves Woolheads. It's fine. We don't <laughs> or, need to get or, right now. or Woolworths. That's yeah. Yeah, I mean sh- shebbers is considered something of it. But whatever. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> Sheb Woolley was uh, something of a mentor to Roger Miller. He uh, bought him his first fiddle and taught him how to play guitar. Oh. He was like, every song has to be about things that eat people. That's yes. all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> and I'm out. And he just like fades into <laughs> the ether. Can I learn Chantilly Lace? That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. For the last time, that's the big bopper. I was so sad when you went down in that plane. I am alive. <laughs> I am alive. <laughs> and that also won't happen for 20 years. <laughs> I keep telling you that. In his youth, um, Roger Miller learned how to play guitar, fiddle, drums, piano, and banjo. Mm-hmm. And as a teenager, he tried to get work as a singer in nightclubs throughout Texas and Oklahoma. He was... We're going real fast through... Did he, through wait, did he life. succeed? He tried to get jobs. Did he succeed at getting jobs? Um, <laughs> That would be great if you're like, he never, he never <laughs> did it. He kept trying. Never I succeeded. Think not with the degree of success I think that he was hoping for. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he was, you know, writing music and he didn't, he didn't get his big break at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he was drafted and served in the Korean War. And during the war, he played fiddle in a special services band. Sure. A deadly unit. What a deadly, that was a deadly unit. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
They just played Chantilly Lace over and over again. <laughs> Until they surrendered. <laughs> Until the other side surrendered. And just, just in the background, that's not my song. <laughs> okay. In 1957, after the war, he moved to Nashville to try and get work in the music business. Uh, he worked as a musician backing artists, including story song mm-hmm. favorite, but for reasons you wouldn't think, Minnie Pearl. For whom he played fiddle in her touring band. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, Minnie Pearl, famous for her work in um, the song... Punk Rock Girl. Punk Rock Girl. Yes. Yes. She wrote and recorded that in 1950. <laughs> I was going to say, the only thing notable that Minnie Pearl's ever done was being mentioned <laughs> in a Dead Milk Band <laughs> It's a shame. So while, expected more from her. <laughs> while he was in Nashville, he met singer-songwriter George Jones, mm. who, impressed with his writing, got him an audition with Star Day Records, where uh, Roger Miller was signed as a recording artist. Miller and Jones wrote songs together, including Tall Tall Trees, which um, George Jones recorded, I think, at the time and didn't really do much. But years later, it was a huge hit for Alan Jackson. Years later. Yeah, like 40 yeah, years later. Yeah, decades later. later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he said years, Rachel. I know, but yeah, no, I'm just many. surprised. No, I'm just, just surprised that it was so long be- between it being recorded by George Jones, of all people, and now, and it wasn't yeah. a hit until Alan Jackson. It's not like George yeah. Jones was a throwaway dude. Yeah, George yeah. Jones. In 1958, uh, Roger Miller was signed to Tree Publishing as a staff writer. Um, I guess sort of like a country music kind of yeah like a bro building building kind kind of situation yeah yeah um and he began to have a lot of success as a songwriter writing songs like billy bayou home invitation to the blues half a mind hey little star that's the way i feel and in the summertime which were all recorded by other artists Mm. wait is that the mongo jerry in the summertime or that's a different song how's that one go in the, in the summertime, summertime when the weather... weather. No, no okay, way. <laughs> I was going to say, that, it can't be. It can't be. Well, that's why I was curious. I thought maybe that was a cover, too. Done decades later. I think uh, in the summertime, I think that's the same song as You Don't Want My Love, which uh, he recorded and had a hit with. Okay. I think it's You Don't Want My Love, open parentheses in the summertime, close parentheses. Got it. Got it. Some of the artists who who recorded his songs include Ernest Tubb, Andy Williams, George Jones, Jim Reeves, Ray Price, and Farron Young. Uh, American songwriter described Roger Miller as, quote, a rare talent who could write humorous songs that were expertly crafted. Mm-hmm. And I think we kind of yeah. saw that in King of the Road. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say one thing real quick? Yeah, yeah. say as many things as you want. Andy Williams! I knew it. I knew it was coming. <laughs> You don't think it's coming, but then bam, third encore. Bang, second encore. Continue. He moved from Starday Records to Decca Records and then finally to RCA Records in 1960. At RCA, he had his first hit singles, You Don't Want My Love, which went mm-hmm. to number 14 on the country chart, and When Two Worlds Collide, which went to number six on the country chart. During that time, he made a lot of appearances uh, on talk shows and variety shows. And in watching a lot of these clips, you could see his personality and his wit and his charm um, in all of these TV appearances. 
he's like just funny and personable mm-hmm. and you kind of get like that charisma that you 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 feel in listening to his music mm-hmm. but at this time his recording career wasn't doing much so he had those two hit singles and then nothing really happened after that so <laughs> with the success of those tv appearances he was ready to kind of give up music and go to Hollywood to become an actor. So his fallback <laughs> career <laughs> was to go Hollywood. be a movie yeah. star. It's like his Hollywood safety net. Actor. That's his safety yeah. net. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. I mean, I guess there is no solution, but I think pretty much every artist we've ever covered has been like, they had a big hit, but then yeah, the yeah. record company wasn't happy. Like it's every time. Like nobody's yeah. ever been like, I just, I just sailed right through. Everything was fine. Well, like, I think I, you know what I wonder too? I wonder if the people who start off as songwriters, because we've, we've definitely covered a lot of people who started off as songwriters. Do they have a tougher mm. time breaking through just because they're a bit pigeonholed as songwriters? You know, I, I mean, this is so, the early sixties. I mean, this is prior to the singer songwriter era. Do you know what I mean? Sure. So they have a couple of like hits. Every, it just, it feels like it always follows a script. Like they have a big hit and then it's like, but the next single wasn't as big. And then the yeah. record company was going to drop them. And then sometimes they do drop them or other times they just, oh no, the third hit single was a big hit. And then they're finding it. Like, it's like always like, there's always that part of it where they're like, yeah. I mean, even like the, we just did Dusty Springfield and it was just like, they were like, no, oh, she's not as popular anymore. And it's like, it feels like every time yeah. it's like that yeah. happens. Nobody's nobody's ever it must be so nerve wracking. You're never on yeah. secure ground. Like you're gonna be dropped from your label at <laughs> any second. That's why they can yeah. just decide. Listen, that's that's why that's, you need a fallback career like Hollywood movies. Yes, show. that's why Roger Miller's mom was always like, make sure you have a good, solid, stable fallback. Mm-hmm. Like Hollywood right. star. Roger. Uh his name's Roger, right? Yeah. Roger, your headshots are up to date, right? You have the resumes <laughs> stapled on the back. Are you sending them to backstage? Are you checking out backstage? Uh-huh. That's all inside. Are you adding glitter and a chocolate <laughs> and a little piece of chocolate to what you're sending? Are you, do you have pictures where you're dressed as a doctor and as a cop? <laughs> because that's going to get you work. You want a serious one? You want a funny one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Show me you can do both drama and comedy. <laughs> and the, you, the, the three genres, comedy, drama, doctor. Those are the three <laughs> genres that you can work in. And the comedy one is just you sort of in casual clothes going, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, Roger Baylor. <laughs> Funny, Dan, that you should uh, say, you know, the record company dropped them because when his contract expired at RCA and he wasn't renewed, he was offered a contract with Smash Records, which is a really good name for a record company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a real good name for like a punk record company. Yeah. yeah. Really. Yeah, but this is like the 50s, early 60s where like Smash is smash. just like a big hit. Yeah. 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 Smash hit. Yeah. So he agreed to the contract and planned to use the money to move to Los Angeles to become a movie star. Sure. Of course. Mm. His first album with Smash Records was 1964's Roger and Out, which included the single Chugalug which went to number three on the country chart, number nine on the Hot 100. So we got a crossover. I feel like I know this song, but I can't think of it right now. Is it one of those songs? 
I mean, I think a lot of his songs are. I listened to a bunch yeah. of his songs and it was like, oh, I, I think I've heard this. Yeah. But, you know, King of the Road is the song for which he is forever yeah. best known. I just want to acknowledge that's a, I just want to acknowledge that's a good album title. That's all. Oh, it's a great album out. title. Yeah. Oh, like so it. good. But that's, again, like, you can see there's always, like, that hint of, like, humor. Like, like it's just a little bit offbeat, which is awesome. The second single from Roger and Out was Dang Me, which went to number one on the country chart, number seven on the Hot 100. Hello. I don't like... I don't like that language. I'm going to say that. <laughs> well, you're going to, you're bleeping that out, right? Like I have to oh, yeah, say no. it, but I expect it to be censored. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you could, I don't know if you could say that over the internet. My God. We might have to. Um, so dang me was mm-hmm. seriously, you're going to have to, well, if we say it like seven times, we're going to get fined. Um, it was a wash your hit. mouth out with soap, Michael. <laughs> It was a huge hit for Roger Miller, and in 1964, at the 7th Annual Grammy Awards, it won Best Country and Western Single and uh, Best Country and Western Recording, Mm. Best Male Country Vocal Performance, and Best Country Song. Whoa. Um, Wow. Won all those? Dang Me and Chuggalug, I guess, together won Best Country Album. Again, Mm -hmm. I do not understand Grammy categories because that was not the album. I don't. Whatever. But it's like the was was Dang Me and Chugalug were they was it like the A side B side? I don't know. They were two separate singles, so I don't know if they were released as like an EP or something, yeah, or if there were EPs at that time. But I don't know. I Grammys. I don't know Grammys. Grammys. I don't know. Um, we're just so defeated <laughs> by the Grammys. I know. We're just like <laughs> I don't know. Best country album is like a uh, uh, an award category that you can say. It's not yeah. like best country right. album by duo or group with vocal minus fiddle, like, the, <laughs> you know. Um, so that won best country album, and Roger Miller won best new country and western artist. Man, what a hit. Yeah. His next album, The Return of Roger Miller, included King of the Road, which was the second mm. single from that album. King of the Road as a single reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100. So, big crossover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was number one on the Billboard Country Chart for five weeks from March 27th to April 30th, 1965. It was number one on the Billboard AC Chart for 10 weeks from February 13th to April 23rd, 1965. And it went to number one in the UK and Canada. Yeah. This does, I don't know what the. I don't know what the quality of it, but this definitely does have that song where it's like the non-country people are like, yes, we'll allow this one. You yeah. know what I mean? Like there's yeah. something about it where like a non-country and Western fan will hear the song and be like, I like this one. The rest of you, back in the barn. But this one, <laughs> that's okay. You can You're hit allowed, the road. Well, um, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> exactly. This is so funny because I do I like this song? I sure do. I sure do like this song, but uh huh. Man, what a weird smash hit! What a weird smash yeah. hit! Because it kind of just saunters along. Did it? Did no, but it's did, so did, catchy. Do, do. It's super catchy, but it's it's it just gets it stuck borders on the but it borders on the edge of novelty, and it's very yeah. it's 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 just. But I think it's a I think jaunty right little it, tune that became a yeah. smash hit. It's cr- in, in 65. 
I think he used the right term. It borders. It doesn't yes. fall over no. into novelty song territory, but it's it's close enough. People are like, it's fun. I'm like, yeah. it's fun. It's a good song, you know? Yeah. And that's, I don't know. And I'll say and this. I can't. Mm-hmm. The, the 60s were so weird, too. We talk about, all, I mean, all decades are so bizarre when it comes to music. Maybe yep. less so in, like, the 40s. But the 60s <laughs> are so bizarre because 1965 feels like like it feels like it should be the height of hippies but it's not at all you know it's just it's so it's such a transformative decade of music and so there's no sense of what the heck hits and you're like what is going on here what what are we into right now because i mean this is this is a bigger topic that we can go into right now, but the thing about 60s music you have to remember is all that stuff that we associate with the 60s right now was never as popular as it seemed. Well, it was always somewhat underground. Like the nut like the number one song for 1967 is like The Ballad of the Green Berets was the right, biggest right, right. selling single of but, 1967. Uh, yeah, so but like no- a lot of the music that was in fact actually popular has now fallen by the wayside and the stuff i mean not that like obviously something like you know i don't know jefferson airplane like it was popular but it wasn't as popular like it wasn't as dominant as i think maybe we yeah but think but i was. think the other thing is that it also comes so much later in the decade than you think it does like right. the the explosion of it comes so much later in the decade than you think it does Right, you know, you say the 60s, for that but like, kind of music. We, I mean, we discussed it, but me and Bobby McGee comes out in 1970. Right. Like, so really, like, the quote-unquote 60s was, like, 68 it's, to, like, 72. Yeah. Really. Yes. Um, but anyway, but also, I mean, I think this song also feels like a throwback. Right, and we right? spoke so about, like, which we spoke about prior in the last... Right, but if you're if you're a little older, if you're older than the hippies... You're like, oh yeah, boxcar hobos. Like that's a fun <laughs> thing for my child. No, I'm serious. Though. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like if you grew up during the depression, yeah, then this is something you associate with like your childhood, and you're like, oh, it's you know, it has that throwback feel to it. So yeah. that also probably is a big part of it. My dad was a train engineer whose best friend was a hobo <laughs> who knew my name. Sure. <laughs> my dad also smoked other people's cigars. <laughs> But I think what is kind of interesting, Rachel, to your point, is this wasn't like necessarily during the hippie era of the 60s. This was, though, at the height of the British invasion. Yes. And the fact that this got any recognition in the midst of like the Beatles um, is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, And I think it does do what you said it does like it it sort of borders on novelty it's funny but it's not funny like it's it's yeah it's clever not hilarious but it's it has that throwback feel it's it's catchy it's interesting it sort of does everything right just sort of like up to that line yeah yeah and it's fun and it's funny but it's not it's so simple that it doesn't get annoying yeah Correct. Like you can hear it over and over again and still like it. But like I said, there is, I think there is, I don't know, I can't identify that quality, but I think there is 
every once in a while, a song will slip through where people are like, okay, I like this one, you know, but, um, so even if you're not into that genre, you might like this one. Yeah. But, right. I mean, music was so, I mean, it was so weird back then. <laughs> like <laughs> there's, there's so like the, you know, it was all over the place. It's, it, it, anyway, it's weird. But this also tells an interesting story and it is one of those songs where he just has the perfect voice for this song. Yeah. Um, sure. So it's, it's just all these, these things coming together and resulting in this song and there's its success right there. At the 8th Annual Grammy Awards in March of 1965, Roger Miller was nominated for nine Grammys. Oh. Wow. King of the Road was nominated for, but lost, Best Male Vocal Performance. It lost to It Was a Very Good Year by Frank Sinatra. Song of the Year lost to The Shadow of Your Smile, written by Johnny Mandel and Paul Francis Webster, performed by Tony Bennett. Um, Song of the Year is a Songwriter's Award. Record of the Year Lost to a Taste of Honey by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. Um, however, King of the Road won Best Contemporary Single, Best Contemporary Vocal Performance Male, Best Country and Western Single, Best Country and Western Vocal Performance Male, Best Country and Western mm -hmm. Song, and the album, The Return of Roger Miller, won Best Country and Western Album. So if you're counting... Oof. Roger Miller won 11 Grammy Awards in two years. Yowza. Wow. You know what? It was a very good year for Roger <laughs> yeah. Miller. Pretty good two years, too. Um, of the writing of this song, songwriter Dean Miller, who is Roger Miller's son, told oh, oh. American Songwriter, quote, he said initially he was trying to write something like Mac the Knife, but it detoured from there. <laughs> Let's murder. <laughs> I mean, we don't know. Huh? That's true. That's true. Mur <laughs> yeah, he that's could be a murdering hobo. Yeah. Again, he knows every lock when every lock is unlocked. I was going to say there is. Yeah, there is a slight undercurrent of darkness. To yeah. It, isn't there? Yeah. Um, not as not as dark as Mac the Knife, obviously. But there is like, what is he up to with those unlocked locks? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's sort of dropped. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Pretty quickly, you know? So, um, yeah. Anyway. What are you unlocking? The cabinet with the poison? Oh, oh. oh okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, strange. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to continue, Dean Miller told American Songwriter, he started King of the Road in a hotel room in Boise, Idaho. He felt he was onto something great and stepped back from it for a while to think about it. He bought a hobo statue in a gift shop, and two weeks later, he sat down in a room and stared at the statue until he had the rest of the song. As he used to say, I had to induce labor to write that song. <laughs> Years later, he went back to that hotel in Boise. He asked them for the brass knocker on the door to the room he'd started the song in. It hung on his bedroom door until his death. Oh, my yeah. God. I Let me tell you the many reasons why I love that story about writing a number one hit story <laughs> song. A, yeah. it was arduous for him and it took, it took a, long, a time. long time because I'm yeah. sick of being like, ah, it took me 15 minutes and I wrote it in a car. Shut your mouth. I <laughs> right. want you to buy a statue that gives you inspiration and you sit down and lock yourself in a hotel and you write it. That's what I want. And the fact that he yeah. goes back and gets the brass knocker from the door, I, I, I love it. I love all of I this. Also, who has that statue? 
Please tell me Dean Miller has that statue. I, I want it. Who's, let me ask you this question. Who's making hobo statues? Oh, plenty of people <laughs> were making I'm... hobo statues in the 60s. Are you kidding? Are is you that, kidding? Is that the modern, is that the modern equivalent you see like a Blues Brothers statue? And you're like, who's this for? <laughs> <laughs> who's yeah. buying who's buying two life-size so statues he, of the blues brothers so he no, i don't to, think it was a life-size <laughs> statue <laughs> it wasn't like the ronald mcdonald on the bench <laughs> situated he went to gadgets and gizmos and was like i need a life-size hobo for seventeen hundred dollars <laughs> also uh, can oh, i get that also- spaghetti that <laughs> pretends <laughs> that pretends like it's holding oh, it's- itself up it's also a back massager. <laughs> <laughs> no, I assume it's like one of those little ones that's like, who's that famous mm. hobo clown? Michael, come on, help me out here. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, come on. You got there's Shep- a famous hobo clown. Oh Cheb Woolley. Yeah. There's I know a who you're very about. there's a very famous hobo clown. It's probably something like that. I am curious to know what kind of gift shop he went to where he had a hobo. <laughs> I mean, it was the sixty yeah, who knows? I mean, if he went to the shop and he was like, look, I'm a successful songwriter now and I've got a big house, so I have to decorate it. Mm. Do you have a six foot tall boxcar hobo statue that I can put in the guest room? (laughs) Um, Emmett Kelly. Say no more. Emmett Kelly. Yes, Emmett Kelly. Kelly is the person I was thinking about. Um, Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. Anyway. I still don't know who that is. I love how you guys are shocked that he I love. I just love you guys were shocked that I knew who Sheb Woolley was, but then you're like, "Come on, the hobo clown!" You guys, are, you was the Listen, hobo we're all. Lo- you were so incredulous that I didn't know the yeah. name of the hobo clown. Listen, we're all lunatics <laughs> who have insanely niche uh, information in our noggins, and that's why. Fair enough. That's why we're friends. Are you kidding? And we're all incredulous right. and can't believe when one of the other ones doesn't know things like Sheb Woolley or Emmett <laughs> Kelly. I also have a six foot tall statue of a boxcar <laughs> hobo in my home, so <laughs> it's just a thing I know. Side note, I think Emmett Kelly did a, on one of, uh, this is going to cut out, but Emmett Kelly did something on one of Bette Midler's specials, I think, with Bette Midler. Oh, really? Yeah, I got to uh, look it up. It's real yes. weird. Yes, I'm looking at it right now. Are you, seriously? It's, well, I, I looked him up. I think- I was just- <clears throat> I think it's it for like, um, he, he, Michael, for, um, uh, oh, oh, what's the song about the people and they're sad? Uh, I think it's going to rain today. Oh, okay. Anyway, I, I was going to say, I just looked him up and it just lists his movies and it's just hilarious that it's like, I mean, it's not surprising, but every one of his movies involves the circus. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's That's like movies, the greatest show on earth. Yeah. Here comes the circus. The clown and the kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> look out for the circus. <laughs> anyway, that's it's just funny. Find something you, you do I well mean, and then just keep doing I, it. Well, I was gonna say that's I right. guess he like couldn't I guess he couldn't be in like, you know, the Maltese Falcon or something. They didn't need a clown. <laughs> Cutting room floor. Oh, right, man. yeah, yeah. There's there's twenty minutes in Butch and Sundance about a clown. That, that <laughs> that's got, right. That all got cut out, sadly. Oh, hello in there, Michael. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh, he did a spe- yeah. on one of her specials. Oh, red hair is back. Anyway, <clears throat> go on. Anyway, so um, just talking about the success and um, the longevity of uh, and the impact of King of the Road. Um, 
most impressively, in 1965, a cover of the song was included on the album Chipmunks A Go-Go by supergroup Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> Perfect. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. It's a, it's a real seal of approval. It's a nice bon mot <laughs> at the end of your career when uh, the Chipmunks cover you. Yeah. And um, how do you tell that a song, particularly a story song, is a success? How? Yeah. A response song was written in Ooh. 1965. Oh, called, okay. Same year. Called Queen of the House. With lyrics by Mary Taylor and a recording by country singer Jody Miller. What? Oh, nice. No relation? No relation. This okay. song. I mean, Mill- Millers are pretty common name. I know, but, <laughs> I but, say, it's but, not that shocking. Yeah, but come on. Same year and they're doing a no, I know. Yeah, yeah, response I know. song? Um... It sounds like a novelty song, mm-hmm. but it went to number five on the <laughs> Billboard country chart and number 12 what? on the Hot 100. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> they just took... could get up the, they, the Hot 100. Go so ahead. they just took opposite, the opposite of King of the Road and said, what's the opposite of Road? House. What's the opposite of King? Queen. Okay, Queen of the House. And then it's, bang, what a hit. It's, I mean, it's worth a listen. Okay. All right. I will listen. It's interesting. You know, okay. it's, King of the Road is great. Yeah. End of sentence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's interesting. It's, it's, but it's, you know. Yeah. Loud and clear, Michael. Loud and clear. Um, but Jody Miller won a Grammy Award for Best Country and Western Vocal Performance Female at the 8th Annual Grammy Awards in March of 1965. Does that sound familiar? It should. It's the same year that Roger Miller won all those Grammys for King of the Road. This sounds like a setup. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Everybody else... Oh my god. Everybody else in those categories is probably like, you've got to be (laughs) joking. Now the response song wins? Come on. The orchestra only had to learn one song so and it was just the bass what hold on what if i got an idea though what if we do this what if we just take a hit song invert it and then we can make millions love it yeah i love it i'm just saying i'm right i'm on billboard right now number four song anti-hero taylor swift pro villain let's just perfect write it up (laughs) i got it it. get it it up what's number one get it on the air what's number one we could do this Uh, number one is flowers by Miley Cyrus. Okay, then what's what the opposite? What's the opposite of flowers? Uh, uh, meat. <laughs> okay, great. Meat. <laughs> meat. Uh, vegetables. Uh, weeds. Weeds. Yeah. There we go. Weeds. We got it. Yeah. Uh, number six song is "Die for You" by The Weeknd. Uh, live, live for, for myself. Me. Yeah, live for me. There <laughs> we go. We've done it. This is by, great. By We're doing the, it. Hold on. By the weekday, <laughs> guys. We nailed it. <laughs> we got it. We got it. <laughs> we got it. By by random Wednesday. That's the name of our <laughs> our group. Not the not hump day. That's we're not That's the right. weekend. That's right. We're right smack in the middle of the week. I'm glad we're not recording anyway. this in mid December. I mean what's uh what's number yeah, two? Well, rocking true. around the Christmas tree? I don't know. <laughs> not rocking around the Christmas right. tree. I guess um sitting by the turkey would be I guess the <laughs> oh. sitting by an empty corner where we're gonna put a Christmas tree in ten months. <laughs> So anyway, so Queen of the House was also recorded by the Supremes on their live album, The Supremes at the Copa. That's crazy. Hmm. So this 
Arrow was the peak of Roger Miller's success as a singer and a songwriter. He continued to record, perform, and tour, but um, he also started recording songs written by other writers, and he actually became the first artist to record Chris Christopherson's Me and Bobby McGee. Oh, wait. This guy was the first one to do Me and Bobby McGee? Yes. Wait, did I not mention that? What? I didn't I mention that when we did me and Bobby McGee. I feel like I, I did. Know. Rachel, it was a hundred years ago. I'm sure, you, <laughs> Rachel. I'm sure you did, but I don't. I, I, a, I'm good I at my job. B, I'm good at my job. I, I don't know if I knew who Roger Miller was. Oh, that's, that's valid. So, oh wait, no. Chris I think Christ- we, I think we mentioned Roger Miller. I think I do remember you saying that the Janis Joplin version was a cover. Yeah. Well, I knew and it was if a not, cover. We'll go back did, and put that in. Did Chris? Did Chris? <laughs> I knew it was a cover. Did Chris Christopherson did not record it first? No. Oh, it was this guy. Okay, yeah, great. He, he recorded it later. Great, great, great. <laughs> I love it. And when did when did Chip Willie do? do me <laughs> oh, he had gone down with the, Rick, Richie Valens by then. <laughs> no, no, wrong guy. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> wrong guy. A me and Bobby McGee. <laughs> do a Chip Willie singing me and Bobby McGee. A Bobby McGee got eaten by the purple people. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that yeah. his version uh, it ends much worse for Bobby McGee yeah <laughs> so in September of 1966 the Roger Miller show mm. a variety show which everybody had premiered on NBC it ran for 16 episodes I'm pretty sure if we check IMDB I think each of us separately and then together had a variety show mm-hmm. on NBC yeah, in the mid 60s so. oh without a doubt yeah but I think it's also like when he was doing those variety shows and, and the like guest appearances on, on like the Tonight Show and stuff like that. I think he he had such a presence and he had such a charisma that they were like, yeah, give him his own show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It ran for a season. Um, but I also feel like a lot of those shows did. Yeah. You know, they like were kind of one offs. Yeah. yeah, they were. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't always meant to run much longer than that. Yeah. They were like a. Like a summer replacement or something. Yeah. So in 1970, Roger Miller opened uh, a resort in Nashville called King of the Road Motor Inn. Sure. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) Love it. It promised, quote, an escape from the ordinary in entertainment, dining, and accommodations. It was a resort. I think it was supposed to be almost like Vegas in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think okay. he opened a second one in Georgia somewhere. I love it. But that's great. That's great. Like, if you have a song like that where you talk about trailers or whatever, it'd be like, oh, now I'm over a trailer business. Oh, yeah. Like, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, love I would it. be I would be in the first week of writing of the two weeks of writing it and be like, you know what? I'm going to have a real good tie in mm-hmm. with a motor in. Yeah. This is going to be great. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, though, is. The hotel that he opened was like a luxury resort right and he named it after a song about a boxcar oh. hobo it, it would yeah. be, it would be weird if they if you went there and they're like hey do you have a pool he's like no, <laughs> no. do you have any cigarettes i did ain't got no not, cigarettes <laughs> did you listen did you not hear the song did you listen you to are the song here to be miserable that's okay right. next time listen to the song I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Can right. I? I need to call somebody. No phone. Did you not listen Literally to the no song? Phone. 
No phone, no pool. Get that dog out of here. No pets. (laughs) How do I order room service? You don't. There is no room service. There's no kitchen. But hey, man, you're free. You're free. Now pick that that stogie up off the ground. That's what you're paying for. Now push this broom. (laughs) You smoke that cigar on the floor. I don't want to smoke that. You smoke that cigar on the floor. You're literally not allowed to pay for your room here. You have to sweep in order. (laughs) I I will not accept any money. I'm Roger Miller. (laughs) I also like in this version, he worked the front desk. (laughs) My cousin died in an airplane crash. That wasn't you, Shep? I wasn't. That wasn't him. Never mind. Forget it. Sorry. My bad. Uh, Yes. uh, This gentleman would like the purple people eater sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys remember how the song purple people people eater ends does he eat the world no it turns out he only eats purple people oh no, he only eats, he doesn't oh. he's, he's, he's not dangerous he only he explains he only eats purple people that's how the song ends and he starves he's, to he death himself, he himself is not purple he eats purple people what a twist <laughs> oh man well, that's a missed yeah. opportunity for an episode huh just say it Pencil that one in Halloween, Halloween right. 2027. Yeah. Pencil that one That's in. on you, Dan. We'll That's there. on you. We'll get there eventually. No, this song is about Chantilly and Lace. Nope. 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 That's wrong. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. Sorry. We'll start over. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I do imagine that when you walk into the King of the Road motor in, um, the lobby music is just King of the Road on a loop. Oh, yeah. I would hope so. Yeah. And the if front desk in, is going insane. <laughs> if I walked in and King of the Road was not playing, I would burn that place to the ground. I would <laughs> go insane. <laughs> in nineteen seventy three he appeared in the Disney film Robin Hood. What? Oh. As yeah. who? Who's he playing Robin Hood? I don't know. I think he's like a chicken. Oh, yes! the guy who sings. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Of course he is. He does, uh... Oh, my oh, God. Wow. That's awesome. I didn't know that was <gasps> Yeah. And in Robin Hood, he wrote and performed three songs. That's amazing. Oh. I didn't realize that well, was him. the songs him. in Robin Hood are really good. That makes sense. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. Reminiscing this and that and having such a good time. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Never ever thinking there was danger in the water. They were drinking, they just go. Do you know this is the second um, person we've had who is a Disney character? This is the second person we've covered. Louis Prima was King Louis in the Jungle Book. That's true. Well, that I knew. There's got to be more, right? We're just missing it. I, I we, mean, do a Peggy Lee song. There, now we got to go yeah, back. There are other people. We'll figure it out. But so in 1982, Broadway producer Rocco Landisman approached Roger Miller with the idea of writing a musical adaptation of Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. That musical would become Big River, for which Miller wrote the music and the lyrics. I had no oh, idea. I had no idea. Wait, is is Big River, is that about Huck Finn? Yes. I had no idea. All right, <laughs> I learned some. Learned some new stuff today. <laughs> um, after 22 previews, Big River opened on Broadway at the Eugene O'Neill Theater on April 25th, 1985. 
It played 1,005 performances, closing on September 20th, 1987. Later on, he made his Broadway debut in Big River on November 11th, 1986, taking oh. over the role of Pat Finn. He took the role over from original cast member John Goodman. Uh-huh. Oh, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I love John Goodman. Great. What a great actor. And looking at the cast list, there's a lot of pretty big names in that show and a couple like Broadway debuts um, in that show. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big that was a big show. That was a big show. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I got to say, you know what I'm happy about? Usually we have to kind of shoehorn our um musical references in. True. I'm real excited that we had a whole section, Michael. Is real yeah. very exciting. Okay. Usually we're just well, like, I'll... uh, what's that story? Uh, something about Camelot. <laughs> Not on purpose. It's well, just how we live, but, you know. Yeah. I'll also say this: I'm, I'm, I'm feeling happy for Roger Miller. Oh yeah, he's, he, he's, he's, he's doing really well. Yeah, you know, I thought he might be like a one-hit wonder. Yeah, but uh, oh, it's great. I'm really excited. I'm. He had this big show and everything. Yeah. Sadly, though, at only 56 years old, Roger Miller passed away on October 25th, 1992. Well, I did that to myself. I, <laughs> of I hope you. I happened. hope you're happy with yourself, Daniel. Mm-hmm. That's really sad. But his legacy does live on. In 2017, a new musical premiered at Laguna Playhouse in Los Angeles called King of the Road, The Roger Miller Story. In 2018, a two-disc compilation album called King of the Road, a tribute to Roger Miller, included performances of Roger Miller songs by, and this is just a few of the names that are on this album, Dolly Parton, Emmylou Harris, Ringo Starr, Alison Krauss, Eric Church, Toad the Wet Sprocket, Cake, Dwight Yoakam, Loretta Lynn, Lyle Lovett, Casey Musgraves, Huey Lewis, Brad Paisley, Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard, and Chris Christopherson. Well, that's a list. Yeah. And there are more. Um, So just uh, (laughs) a little bit about his skill as a songwriter. According to American Songwriter, his advice to his son, who we mentioned earlier, songwriter Dean Miller, was to, quote, say as much as you can in as few words as possible. And I think King of the Road, his most famous and enduring song, is a perfect example of that. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Wow, what an amazing life. And it's yeah. again, it's one of those things that you're like, imagine what else he could have done as he went on, you know, had he not passed away so, so soon. Um, it's awesome. Great life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that, Michael. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the lesson we learned from this song with Lessons Learned. There's only one thing missing from the Story Song Podcast, pictures. You can fix that by following us on Instagram at Story Song Podcast. You'll find album covers of the songs we've done, behind the scenes photos, new episode announcements, and more. Get the full experience. Follow Story Song Podcast on Instagram. 
All right, we're back. It's time for lessons learned. What lesson we learned from this song? Uh, Michael, let's start with you. What lesson did you learn from King of the Road? I learned um, when you're applying for a job, if mm -hmm. your resume just says push and broom over and over and over again, <laughs> you're not getting that job. Sure. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. true. Uh, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, management pushing broom? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, executive broom pusher. <laughs> really like a corner broom pushing office. You mean a closet? Like a, yes, yes, like a, a closet. closet. Yes, yeah. like a broom yeah. closet. But like in a yes. corner. Yeah. With a view. So the secret to life, everybody, is connections. It's not what you know. It's who you know. That's right. You know what I mean? And um, gray away, I, you know, I used to take the train uh to work every day and gray way if you want to get some discounts or some you know perks you know maybe get some you know when they open up the next car you know you can get in there get a seat or whatever mm -hmm. gray way just go right up to the engineer and just go i know the names of your children and that's really gonna <laughs> that'll get it it's really gonna put it's gonna put them at ease yeah you know what i mean like they're gonna really i know all their names all, all your kids, I know all their <laughs> names. That's really good. That's going to put them at ease and be like, okay, this is a person that I want to I wanna help out. I want to deal with. Yeah. If there's something I can do, this is the guy I, I want to do it with. And that's, that's, just a, that's just a hint. That's just a tip for me. It's so, that, so smart. So smart. That, and yeah. I've, I've spent so little time in prison um, because <laughs> it's really... The 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 short amount of time is really quite amazing. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, what did you learn from this song? You know what I learned? Um, I learned that you don't need like a Fodor's travel guide when you're running the rails. What you need to do is you need to find yourself a hobo because you they'll tell you that the sweet spot is that third car. You know, not yeah. too close to the engine, not too close to the caboose. Has great ventilation across it. You get the the best of both worlds. And that's yeah. how you see that's the, how you see the uh, the land of uh, the land we live in. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you can see all the way to Bangor, Maine. The yeah, you know the as we like you, to call it the land we live <laughs> that's in. That's right, everybody. <laughs> I was trying to think of something real old timey, and I could not. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know that 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 place. Listen. Yeah. You see it. The place you, know, if you you're see. checking out. If you're checking out the colonies. That's right. Um, <laughs> I'll say this too. The same thing. Here's the thing about the third car. It's much like a commuter rail. Yeah. Second car, the the conductor's going to get to you too quickly, and the they're going to click your ticket. If you're in the third car, you're in between the two. They might not find you, yeah. and you'll be able to make your way all the way all the way to Bangor. Yeah, maybe you could. Yeah. 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 And you don't even have to bring up the fact that you have memorized their children's names. <laughs> no. Um, no. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to leave it there. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. This has been the Story Song Podcast. If you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are your podcasts, uh, we would certainly appreciate it, and we'll read it on the show. Follow us on the socials like Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, and we will be back next episode with another great story song. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. We will talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening, and... Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Our theme music was written and performed by Jason Flowers. Find him on Twitter at Jason Flowers with a Z. Some of our bumper music was provided by Purple Planet Music. Our logo was designed by Dan Geva. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at story underscore song, and on Instagram at story song podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. The Story Song Podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Go to pantheonpodcasts.com. Thanks for listening. It's the Story Song I liked that clap. We were all together on that one. Good. If I ever start a band, I'm going to call it five seconds of silence. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.